how are you doing today? Welcome to Saving Your Soul with Dolly. My name is Dolly Barker, and I'm so glad that you've decided to listen today. And I'm, I just am praying and believing that God is going to give you the next key to help you unlock that level that you're at so that you can go forward and accomplish everything that God has for you to do. I believe this is a divine appointment, and I'm, I know that I'm all about the Father's business, and so I'm sure you are too since you've chosen to listen today. And we've been talking about saving your soul and why it's important. And there's a difference between your spirit and your soul. Our master text has been 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. Your whole, holy. Um, So your whole being, you're a three-part being. When you got born again and you, you met Jesus, you were introduced to the Father, you know, you became spiritually alive. Now, your flesh is being quickened. Your mortality is putting on immortality. Your corruptible is putting on incorruptible. There's going to happen. There's going to be a trump. Things are going to go, and it's going to be amazing. But for right now, our flesh is an enmity to God. It's a, it's a distraction. It's in constant a struggle with the Word of God in your spirit to try to control your life. And so really all you can do with that is put your flesh down and tell your flesh no. Um, but then you have a soul. You are a living soul. And that means you have a mind, a will, an emotions, an intellect. Um, You get to make choices. And this is the thing that the New Testament church, all the believers in the New Testament have this ability to save their soul. This is what the angels have desired to look into. This is what the prophets of old wanted a piece of. Because you literally now can redeem your soul It's a very, very powerful, awesome opportunity for us. And yet I see so many people not trying to do it because I think they just don't know. You know, the Bible tells us that we we perish for a lack of knowledge. And so um, basically, in a nutshell, last time we were together, we talked about the process of saving your soul, which is your faith walk. And um, your faith walk is very important. And usually when you start talking about faith, everybody thinks, oh, they just want your money. It's it's an It is absolutely about your money also because money is important for you or you would not get up and go to work. So let's don't play games. But it's more than that. It's about, you know, I don't care how much money you have. You can still be very miserable. It's about you having a good marriage. It's about your children being a blessing to you and and you being a blessing to them. It's about you changing this world for Jesus. It's about... You walking in health. I mean, <clears throat> there are so many aspects to the faith message. Yes, it's what you needed to have in order to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Praise God that you took that step of faith. But there's so much more. That is literally just the beginning. You were born, and that was it. And now, what are you going to do? Um, you know, someday, don't you want to drive a car? Someday, don't you want to go to Bora Bora? You know, I mean, there's things that you can do now that you're alive. Now that your spirit man is alive, you can grow and develop and become successful and obtain all the promises and the blessings of God and live a great life right here on earth and bonus in the world to come eternal life and a treasure. The Bible tells us that we lay up a treasure the, the crown of life by saving our souls. So with all that said, I wanted to look today at faith 
And uh, a great illustration about how this process works is found over in Mark 4. Um, when Jesus is doing a teaching, he's trying to teach these guys. And he's using a very natural process that they're all very familiar with, seeds and reaping a harvest. And he tells them about this farmer that went out to sow these seeds. And, and as he was throwing the seeds out, some fell on stony ground, some fell on the wayside, some were in thorny grounds, and some fell on good ground. And, <clears throat> you know, after he told them all that, he said, you know, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So, you know, you, you hear some of the Word of God when it's revealed to you or when you're seeking it, God will reveal it to you. So, you know, they got some of the word. And then it says, though, in chapter, in verse 10, chapter 4, verse 10, when he was alone, they that were with him and the twelve asked him about that parable. They wanted to understand it more. So it was the disciples and, and, and some other folks still there. And later on, you know, after he taught the sermon, and they're asking him, will you explain this to us? So he said, unto you it's given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to them that are without, all these things are done in parable. I'm going to speak in parables, he's saying, because when you're seeking and you want to know and you're hungry and you're asking God, he's going to reveal it to you. It's given to you to know and understand the principles of the kingdom of God. While other people will hear it and they won't really understand what we're even talking about. It goes down to verse 13, and he said unto them, Know you not this parable? Then how are you going to know all the parables? If you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand the other ones. Now, this is, this is very important. Jesus is talking here. This, if you have a red letter edition Bible, this is red letters. Jesus is explaining to these guys that, you know, this is very important. This is like uh, learning your phonics or learning how to read or learning basic math. If you don't get this, you know, you're, you're going to have a hard time doing algebra later on. You're going to have a hard time establishing everything that you're called to do if you don't get in here and figure this out. So he said, um, he's going to explain the parable over in verse 14. He says, the sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside who heard the word when it was sown. But when they heard it, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. And these are likewise which were sown on stony ground when they heard the word. Immediately they received it with gladness. But they had no root in themselves, and so endured for a time. But afterward, when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are those where it was sown on good ground, such as hear the word, they receive it, and they bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, he started talking again in parables. I wanted, to, I wanted to show you this because it's very important that you understand that the Word of God, when it's preached, and you hear the Word of God, and you're sitting there thinking, oh, this makes sense. Okay, I get this. That means you're hearing the Word. But now, you know, immediately the enemy's going to come and try to steal that Word away from you. Or he's going to come immediately and he's going to afflict you and persecute you. You know, he'll let you rip on there for just a minute and act like, oh, look what I know and y'all don't know it. And the next thing you know, he rips the rug out from underneath your feet. Or else, you know, he'll get you distracted by some person or some shiny object or something in your life and will take your focus off of what you're waiting for, that harvest of that seed to come to pass in your life. 
I've been in church before where I heard the whole message and I thought, man, that was a good message. And I got out and after lunch, I couldn't even tell you what he preached on. That word was already stolen from me. And there were other times when I heard a message back, you know, 40 years ago, and I remember the sermon. That word fell on good ground. I needed to hear that word, and God made sure I was, it was revealed to me, and I still can tell you the sermon. So there have been times in my life where, you know, I've seen this happen. But here he is. Um, in verse, if you keep going down, he continues to talk about sowing the seed. The word is a seed, and it's going to be sown in your heart. And if you have it in your heart and it's on good ground, it can produce and it can bring to pass those things that you're believing for. You know, we get a scripture and it sounds so wonderful, but we need it to manifest in our lives. It's, it's wonderful to have that hope where you think, oh man, this is going to happen for me. But it's even better once you've received it and it's no longer hope. You're actually walking in that level and your hope is in something else, another something. You know, we're advancing the kingdom of God. We're taking territory. We're doing the will of God in the earth. Well, you know, after he taught all these things and then went on to explain and explain and explain, it goes on to verse 34. Now, remember, he taught this sermon to everybody. And then he explained all that in detail to the 12 with some other people. And in verse 34 now, it says, But without a parable spoke he not unto them, and when they were alone, he and the 12. Now here the 12 are getting it again. He expounded all things to his disciples. He expounded again. He said, listen, when you get a word, hold on to it. You know, you want it to fall on good ground. I pray all the time. Father, I thank you that I'm good ground. I receive your word. You know, I pray that the people hear it falls on good ground and produces fruit. You know, I mean, I'm always constantly praying that. I'm trying to till up the ground. I'm trying to get the ground ready with covering it in prayer and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm always trying to do that. And uh, Lord, don't let the enemy steal the word that is sown in our hearts. You know, I mean, I'm constantly trying to watch over the seed because the word of God literally has the power to change everything about your world. Everything, anything, anything in your world that you desire to have changed. The word of God has the ability and the power to change it. I have proven it over and over and over again. And, you know, people come up and start trying to argue about, I don't have time to argue with you. I know what I believe, and I, I know it works for me, and so I'm going to just continue on this path. You go on ahead and continue on yours. But I pray that your eyes are open and you can see this, because this will revolutionize your life. I was in a, a marriage that was just, I mean, we were young. We were young, and we were just stuck. We couldn't see a way out. It was hopeless. You know, we had babies and we had all these bills and it was hard. And after a while, you know, you just get tired of it and you start accusing each other and, and just they can't do nothing right. And, you know, I mean, it was just hard. And when I started getting in faith for my marriage, it was amazing what God did. And today we're still married all these years later. Goodness gracious, I don't even know, 35 years maybe now. Ooh, I'm going to have to look that up. We've been married for so long, and our marriage is literally better now than it's ever been, and it just continues to get better. You know, same thing with my children and with everything in our life. 
So I want to encourage you, get a word. Here he is. He's taught this sermon. Then he went over it and broke it down and gave it to him in layman's terms. And then when everybody else was gone, he expounded again and made sure his disciples understood if God says something to you, hold on to that word because it will be the power to get you to where you want to be. And here after all of this, after all this talking he's done, it says in verse 35, and the same day, the very same day, just a little while later, when the even was come, here it is, it's starting to get late, and he said to them, let us pass over unto the other side. Here he is. He's just told them that the word of God The word that the sower sows is so valuable that if you will fight to hold on to the word of God beyond your circumstances, beyond what you see, beyond what you hear, beyond what you feel, don't get distracted, don't go backwards, and don't buy the lies of the enemy, and don't let him have it. Hold on to the word of God, regardless of what it sounds like. I was... I was on a bus one time, and I'm telling you what, there was a conspiracy to try to kidnap me. The people at the bus station had called ahead. They wouldn't give me back my passport. It was a big deal. And the people with me said, oh, my God, they're wearing these rings. This is, the, this is that gang. They kidnap people. They this and this and this. And um, then we got on the bus, and I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, my gosh. you know. So I get out my Bible, and I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading trying to get me scriptures. I'm fighting in the spirit realm. I mean, I'm in a, I'm, I'm fighting, you know, I ain't going to get nothing, you know, in Jesus name. And, um, I'm just, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. He said, when are you going to rest? And I said, okay, I shut my Bible. I put it down. I kicked back in my chair and closed my eyes and went to sleep. And when I woke up, we were on the side of the highway. Something had happened between our drivers. Another driver was supposed to be coming. He never showed up. We sat there for a couple of hours, and finally this guy gets on the bus, and he looks straight at me, and he sits down, and he just drives us, and we go right back across the border. And I'm like, praise God. God intervened. But I was seeking the Lord, and he said to rest. So I did. I just put my stuff up, and I kicked back, and I went to sleep. And I'm telling you, that was the best thing I could have done because I had a word. I had a word from God now. It didn't matter what the situation looked like in the natural. I had a word from God. I was just going to hold on to that word. He told me just to rest. He had it. That's God saying, I got this. Just take a nap. You know, rest. When are you going to rest? So I just just hold on to that. I'm going to rest. I'm going to just trust God. He's got this. And I went to sleep. I slept like a baby, man. I didn't even realize we were having all the problems we were having on the side of the road. And so it's like that with God. He will give you a word. I can't tell you how many times he's done that for me. I mean, I could just give you stories after stories after stories. So here it is on verse 35. The same day when even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. So they sent away everybody, they get in the ship, and they go, and they're riding across the waves, and a great storm of wind and waves beat in the ship. And so Jesus is asleep on a pillow in the back of the boat, and they wake him up and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? 
And he arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea. And he said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then they were, you know, a little freaked out about that. But the thing was, he had given them a word. He had given them a word. The Lord will always give you a word prior to what you're going to go through. He, he's, what I'm standing and believing for right now, he gave me a word. And because I got a word from God, I'm hanging on to it. It does not look like in the natural that that's what's going to happen. And the enemy's coming against me in every conceivable way, trying to stir up this and trying to do that and trying to make me do this and get your eyes over here and focus on this and looky here and all these things. But if I just keep holding on to what he said, because <clears throat> he told me, he said, I've already done it. And so I'm, I'm holding on to it's already done. I'm not waiting on God to do something else. He's already done it. All that's happening right now is the enemy is fighting me for the word that I'm standing on. And when that passes, which it always passes, there I will be with a full-blown manifestation of what I'm believing God for. And that is how faith works. And it doesn't matter what you're believing God for. The act of faith, when you step out to believe God for something, there's going to be a process. If you, if you really, I mean, if you really want this thing, you know what I'm saying? You'll become aware of the process. For the last, I don't know, uh, maybe 26 years, we've been spirit-filled. And so we've been serving God, and this has been so amazing to do it this way. But we've been spirit-filled, and so we're aware of some things that when God says something to us, we hear God's voice. The Bible says you hear God's voice, and another voice you will not follow. When you, and he'll give you a voice. He'll give you a word out of his book, out of, his, out of the Bible, or he'll, give, he'll speak a word to your spirit, or maybe he'll have somebody. You'll, you'll know what you're praying for. You're believing God for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you, you step out in faith to obtain it, and then all of a sudden your, your pastor or some preacher will say, Thus saith the Lord, you know, and tell you something, or, or it'll just become, it'll be confirmation. So here you are now, you have, you have two people. This is the word for you. You know it's the word for you. Once you know you got a word from God, you're going to have to hang on to that word. You have to keep it in front of your face. Don't allow the enemy to take the word. Now, he is going to try, okay? And what happens in so many people's lives, as you hear a word from God, you get all excited, yay, and you're expecting it to happen in 24 hours, and it doesn't, and then the enemy's saying, God didn't really say that. Look, you're not even believing right. You're just making that stuff up. You're this and you're that. And then they give up. Well, he stole that from you. He literally stole the word from you. But the, the, the beautiful thing is, God's promises are yes and amen. He's not going to change his mind. If he said you could have it once, it's still yours today if you want to get back on your faith. But I want you to be aware of the process. That process there is the trial of your faith or the trying of your faith. It says it two different ways over in James and in 1 Peter. Because what happens once you step out and to believe God for something the enemy is going to come against it and create a trial. I don't know if you've ever watched a trial maybe on TV or maybe you've been involved with one. There's somebody that's sitting there on one side and somebody else is on the other side and the attorneys are trying to get 
one of them to cave, you know. And then you've got a judge and you've got, you know, all kind of people involved in this situation. And, and, but if you, if you stick to what you're believing and because it's the truth and because it's right, well, then you're going to win. You know, you don't have to bail if it's the truth and it's right. And if, if the promises of God are yes and amen, it's yours. God's promised it to you. You can let the trial go. The trial is not against you. Now, see, the enemy's going to make you think it is. He's going to say, oh, you sinned last week. Oh, you still have this habit. Oh, well, yeah, that works for them because they're preachers, but not you. Oh, well, you're a different ethnicity. Oh, you live in a different country. That just works for Americans. And I heard, I think it was Bill Winston say, uh, God wasn't American. He's not American. You know, God is no respecter of persons. This literally will work for anybody that steps out and believes God for what God is telling them they can have. And, you know, what happens is it's your desire of your heart, he tells us. When you pray, I think it's Mark 11. Let me flip over there real quick. Um, Jesus said, have faith in God. This is right after he came back through town and um, cursed that fig tree and, and, it, and it withered up. And he said, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and will not doubt in his heart, but will believe that those things that he says shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, that's the kicker right there. Believe that it's yours when you pray. And then don't back off of it. Hold on to it. And don't let the fight turn about you. The enemy will come and start accusing you. He's the accuser of the brethren. But every time he comes to me to talk to me about what I did wrong and why I don't deserve it or why I can't have it now because I'm a failure, I simply either just start singing about the blood of Jesus or I just say, uh, Jesus has redeemed me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This ain't about my sin. This is about the word of God that I'm believing, and it is mine in Jesus' name. And you fight that fight of faith over what you're believing God for, not whether or not you're saved. He said you were saved. He tells us over in James, put on the armor of God. Keep yourself covered with the fact that you're saved, you know, you, you have salvation. He says, put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Gert your loins about with the truth. You know, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put on these things and realize that the enemy only wants to point out your weaknesses and your failures because he's hoping that you don't know that Jesus Christ paid for you. And now you're not those things anymore. You're not an old dirty sinner saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are God's child. You are holy. You are uh, uh, peculiar people. You're precious. You're the apple of his eye. You are anointed. You are everything you need to be because when God looks at you, all he sees is the sacrifice that Jesus made. Your sin is no longer being imputed to you. Now, is it okay for us to run around and do a bunch of crazy sins? No, it's not. We open doors. We allow the enemy access. The next thing we know, we got to deal with all this stuff. You can eliminate the voices that you have to deal with. You can eliminate the trials that you have to go through by shutting those doors, by getting those things under control in your life. That is a fact. 
because I had so many things going wrong in my life, so many things. I had this and this and this and this, the big things. I, mean, I was suicidal. I had, I was broke. I was this big things going wrong in my life. And I said to God one day, God, how do I fix all this? And he showed me an area of my life. And I, I knew it wasn't right. I didn't know what I was going to do about it because you can't fix yourself. I saw this area of my life and he said, shut that door. And if I shut that door, all these problems I was laying before the Lord would be fixed. And I'm telling you what, he gave me the grace and the ability to shut that door. And when I shut that door, all those problems that I dealt with for so long went away. And I have not had to deal with those anymore. I don't have to deal with constant, you know, I'm up one day and down the next. And, oh, how am I going to make it? Hopelessness and all these things that were connected to that door being open. It is such a wonderful thing. So, no, you don't want to sin. You don't want to play with the devil because you know you're giving him access to mess with you constantly. So, yeah, we shut those doors. You know, it's not unlawful. It's just not expedient, Paul says. You know, there's, it's not that that thing is going to send you to hell. The reason people are going to go to hell is because they have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is why people will go to hell. It's available for everybody. Salvation is available for everybody. But if they don't want it, God's not going to force it down their throat. So, you know, we have, we have these doors and stuff that we create more work and more problems and more fights we have to go through. But it's not going to make or break whether or not God loves us. His love for you is unconditional. What that means is there's nothing you can do to make him not love you. And, but it also means this, there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. So take the pressure off of you. This walk that we're walking is a walk of faith to hold on to what God says, not what we do. Just because you didn't kick the dog or just because you carried the woman's groceries doesn't make you holy. You do those things because it is something that you should do. But that's just because the nature of God is in you, not because you're trying to score points with the Father. You know, but as you, as you walk out this life, don't let the enemy put the focus of the fight on you. He'll do that. He'll say, you know, you'll get in the car after church and you'll be so excited about what you just heard. And then someone else will get in the car and they're having a bad problem. Maybe your wife just slammed her arm into the car door and she throws a little fit on you. And the next thing you know, one of the kids says something. And so you holler and the next thing you know, you're all in a big fight. And before you even leave the parking lot, you can't remember why you were so excited about God, what God was saying. Okay. The enemy's stealing the word from you. So what you got to do is you got to go in there and buy the tapes, take them home and listen to them again. Remember what it is you're doing. Get your faith up. You know, I, you think I'm kidding and I'm not. I literally listen to tapes or I just turn on YouTube and listen for eight solid hours while I'm sleeping. All night, I listen to Bill Winston or, or Bill Johnson or Jerry Savelle or uh, Jesse Duplantis. I'm, I, I, that's what I do. And then during the day when I'm awake, I'm listening to them also <laughs> all the time. If I have available time, that's what I'm doing. And I just keep myself fed and keep myself built up. You know, um, last time I went over to Icing, Terry Savelle was giving that story again about the two little wolves. One of them is your spirit and one of them is your flesh. And your soul is in the middle and your soul has to decide, who am I going to follow today? Who am I going to let be king over my life today? My spirit, which is connected to God, is going to end up 
me in a good place or my my flesh, which is going to cause me problems. And and so every day it says, well, who's going to win this fight between these two wolves? And And the answer is, whichever one you feed. If you feed your spirit, your spirit gets stronger and stronger and stronger and is able to hold on to the Word of God more and is able to see the promises of God come to pass more. And if you feed your flesh all day long and you starve your spirit, you know, you let it eat once a week at church, maybe on Sundays if it wasn't too inconvenient to go to church, and you feed your flesh every little thing it wants, well, guess who's going to win in that situation? That's not the will of God. And, you know, that's why the Bible says we perish for a lack of knowledge. People don't know what's actually going on. And the enemy would love for you to never figure it out. When Jesus gives you a word, hold on to it and know that you can have it. It's yours already. Don't give it up. Don't let the fight get turned into you and your righteousness. Well, you cussed out your family. Well, you threw a fit. Well, you did this. Well, you know what you got to do immediately when that happens? Say, wow, yeah, I did. I blew it, God. I blew it big time. But I thank you, Father God, that the blood of Jesus covers me and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I pray, Lord God, that you'll take that part of my, why I even made those decisions. I pray, Lord God, that you'll just help remove those out of my life. So I won't make decisions like that anymore. But in the meantime, Lord God, I thank you that I'm saved by grace. I thank you, Lord God, that the plan that you have for me is based on your ability, not mine. You know, the reason we got in the mess we're in is because Adam had a part to play in it. But the new covenant is based on better promises because God made the covenant with his self. And he did it his self. We were not involved in it, so we can't mess it up. So don't let the enemy get the fight focused on you. Keep that word. Remember, an oak tree is just a little acorn who held his ground. Get that word of God and hold your ground. When it looks like the dumbest thing you've ever done in your life, when it looks like the most ridiculous thing for you to be sitting there believing that God is going to do that when you're in such a mess that you're in, start celebrating because that means you're at the moment of breakthrough. The enemy is pulling out all the stops because he needs to convince you once and for all to let go of that dream that God is going to do something for you. But don't let go. And I promise you, if you will stand, and again I say stand, and hold on to the Word of God, you will not only obtain the promise that you're believing God for right now, but you will also lay up for yourself an eternal reward. You have saved your soul. You have defeated the enemy. You have lined yourself up with God against everything in your natural life. Man, that's powerful. You deserve a trophy, man. But you'll get blessed here in this life and in the life to come, eternal life and rewards and treasures and things. It's just going to be amazing. Listen, I love you and God loves you. I want to wish you the best. And I'm, I'm praying that this helps you. And if you know somebody else that this might help, share it with them. You know, send it to them. My sister texts me podcasts all the time. I got two more from her today. So, you know, that's a good way to do it. You can just message it to somebody. Um, But I will talk to you again next week. And until then, be blessed.